Mount Zion Church. Are you in the mood to praise God? Does it matter? <laughs> Does it? Should we? It shouldn't matter. Sometimes just praising God puts you in the mood to praise God. Amen. It does. Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. But I believe that because God honors obedience. So let's all stand to our feet, which I've talked about a hundred times, but you know why we do that? The book of Deuteronomy says to stand in the presence of royalty. You are in the presence of our King Jesus Christ this morning. And we need to act like it. So let's not fake it. Let's be genuine. And let me just apologize for the people in front of you if you're going to sing loud. That's great. Do it. Do it. Lift your hands. Praise him this morning. We, God, we come to give you glory. You are our king of glory. God, you have come to make a way where there seems to be no way. God, you sent your son, and for that we thank you. God, it is personal, so we worship you personally today, God. We lift our voices and proclaim who you are. We are a testimony. We never know who is watching. We never know the purposes all the time, God. But today, we worship you because you are King. Lift up your gates, be lifted up. Let the King of glory come. Lift up your head, you ancient doors. Lift up a shout unto Thank you. 
Amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. It's going to be a good day today. God is in the house. Where are you? Here are you. Hi, everybody say hi, Pastor Rano. Yeah, I like how you say that. Hi, Pastor Meet me. Good morning, everyone. Okay, so I just have a couple of announcements for you. Bear with me. I don't have contacts in, so it's hard to read. Um, we are going to be taking a summer break for our Wednesday night Bible studies and our Thursday summit starting July 6th. So we have two more Wednesday night Bible studies happening. Uh, we are not doing Sunday morning Bible studies right now. Jerry's taking a little summer break. And then on July 20th, the seniors have their potluck here at 6 o'clock. I don't know the theme, though. Do you know the theme? He's, Brenda, he's looking at you. The lobster? What? Oh, Dennis is supplying all the lobster for all of you, so make sure you're there. <laughs> and then we have this Sunday is Sandwich Sunday. Not today. Next Sunday. Sandwich Sunday, and it's, uh, the theme is Independence Day. We're providing hot dogs, hamburgers, and I think chicken is going to be provided as well. Uh, so make sure you're there. We're going to have a bounce house. You guys can bounce if you want. I mean, be careful, though. We're not in charge if you get hurt, just the children. <laughs> um, so right now we can take five minutes to meet and greet wait, 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 each other. Oh. I got one more announcement. Oh, sorry, I got guys. one more announcement. Sorry. Okay. I got Hi. one. Can you roll this little video? That'd be what? awesome. This one? I, yeah. Oh, you're down there. Yeah. Oh. I guess we don't roll the video. Yeah, roll tape, Anna. <laughs> no. No, the video. I asked you that. Sorry. So last week we talked about some of the spiritual gifts that are in the Bible. I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that this week. So what are some of the spiritual gifts that you have? Bible journaling? No. Bible verse tattoos. That's actually misspelled. Ultimate Prayer Warrior! Hmm. Freestyle rapping. Impressive. Taking selfies. No. Snapchat filters. No. Facebook stocking. No. Life coaching. Uh -uh. Multi-level marketing. Yay! <laughs> Fantasy football. That's just gambling. Scratch-offs, baby. Also gambling. Minecraft. I don't even know what that is. Balloon animals. What is that supposed to be? Hot dog. Netflix binging. I do that too. But no. I speak all five love languages. Lady in red. Competitive eating. We call that gluttony, actually. I've read the entire Bible in a year. Wow. Even Leviticus? Lahu? I think we've missed something because these aren't spiritual gifts like at all. Exhortation? I didn't know you worked out. What, Jim? <laughs> All right. The reason why is I think a lot of people don't 
really put a lot of effort into discovering their spiritual gifts. We are beginning a series next Sunday on spiritual gifts. So I got two ways that you can go ahead and get your find an assessment. We have them at the back table. We have spiritual gift assessment that you can take. And let me just tell you right off the bat, that's not all-encompassing. Don't limit yourself to whatever that comes up with. Sometimes God changes seasons, you know, changes your gifts in their different seasons. You never know. But it's a great starting place. Really, the best way to discover your spiritual gifts, do something spiritual. Do something. Step out in faith and watch God and move. And it, all of a sudden, if that becomes something easy for you, or God just keeps to give you favor in that area. Well, that could be. It, there's, just don't limit God to that. The other way you can take the spiritual gifts test in your bulletin, you'll find a QR code. You just take your, your phone, you take a picture of it, unless you've got a QR reader app on your phone, and it takes you right to the website, and you can go ahead and take the spiritual gifts assessment. Then take that this week, and then come on Sunday as we begin our series on spiritual gifts. Can we do that together? All right, now one other thing before, and then during the meet and greet, you can go get it back at the back table so you don't forget. But before we go to meet and greet, Andrew, are you ready this morning? Well, then you should get up and come up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Andrew has been working hard on giving us updates on missionaries. And this month, we have this missionary that you can tell us about. That'd That'd be great. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, church family. Okay, I'm really excited about, uh, this is one of the last missionaries before I get a hold of AG World Missions to get some of the other ones that didn't respond, and uh, we're really excited. My name is Andrew Can, leadership updating missionary uh, person for the uh, Mount Zion Church here, and we have Lolly Wagner uh, this for today, and she is doing so many amazing things, and when you go out into the field, you know, to bring the glory into uh, Bible colleges and all that, it's just such a wonderful gift, and, and there's a lot of work to be done, and, and so um, as, as they're growing over in Cambodia is where they're uh, set up at this present time, and they've been working with uh, Rock Castle Ministries and La Jolla College, and getting the funding and reaching the lost and the gospel, and and preaching and, and setting up a Bible college. So they had the great opportunity to uh, partner with four young ladies that graduated uh, in 2022. And um, also they got together with Mike and Polly Brown and were able to get into the city of Coconjumba, Bolivia, where the city dumpsters and get a church and Bible college so they've, their ultimate goal to have 40,000, and they've come up with 20. So there's also, uh, she had been able to get to be the ordained minister through the California Nevada District, and she got that last year. And uh, many, many beautiful things that they, they can do as a part of, and especially out in the field, the, you know, the accomplishments that they get to make to meet people to bring, you know, the lost and afflicted, to, to guide them, mold them, and what a wonderful experience that is. Um, so I'd like to pray for them today. Uh, you know, it's sometimes we go through trials and tribulations through each doors that they go as they grow and prosper. So Father God, um, today we just have an enlightenment of spirit, of joy, and just 
embankment for those who are on the road to bring light and, and hope and despair and, and joy to each and every one and just to guide them. Give them spirit of love, their staff, and all the new members and all those that partner with them. And we thank you and praise you for those too. And uh, Father, the other part I forgot was if you want to get on your tithing, maybe you might feel, you feel called to uh, help with that fund that's for the Bible thing. You could put that pro, you know, you know, project in there for that specific whatever you feel like giving. So we thank you and a wonderful day. And we're grateful to have to be a part of that. And thank you very much. Great job. Great job, Andrew. Thank you. All right, let's take five minutes.
Well, thank you so much for paying such close attention. Appreciate that so much. Fellowship is worship. Fellowship is worship. A friend of mine taught me that. All right. In better news, Dennis smells Dennis smells really good this morning. He me and I was like, oh, man, I got to step up my game. You're missing. This is why you need to come to church. Those online, Dennis smells really good. He <laughs> <laughs> just, just doesn't come across on the internet. I, I know. They, don't, they need smell-o-vision. Hey, come over here. Your head's chopped off. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. Good morning, guys. Right before uh, we uh, receive the offering, I'm going to say a little prayer. Uh, the t- to me uh, giving money money's weird you know I feel like sometimes it if you let it it tries to take over a little bit it's a, you start especially you know th- these days everything costs so much trying to feed four kids when they just inhale everything it's like didn't we just buy food yesterday what <laughs> What are you guys doing? They don't have a limit. They just, they eat. So stuff can get tight. Money can get tight. But sometimes I got to refocus myself. I get a little too caught up in money. It, and I think giving, giving back to God what's already his keeps us, keeps us aligned. So I just encourage you guys to be in prayer about your finances and give it to God he's never in all the weird stuff that's happened losing jobs getting jobs moving he's never let our family down he's always provided for our needs so let me pray father we thank you so much for all that you give us Lord in in any situation help us to have the right perspective father because we may we may get to a point where we think you know god what why haven't i been blessed with all this stuff and it's like give us the perspective to see we're all rich lord we're when you get the perspective of someone in a different country looking at us father we are rich. We have things that no other country has. So, Father, let us let us align our hearts with you, Father. And when it comes to our finances, Lord, let us be praying and give joyfully. So we thank you, Lord. Help us to, to not let money overtake our lives. And, we just thank you for all that you give and provide. and We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this beautiful, awesome day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. ourselves searching for something that was always there. This morning, let's search for Jesus. He's there. Let's just reach for him. Let's praise him. Let's ah, seek him diligently. 
Bible says he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek. He says he stands at the door. And then we can forget. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. I search the world but it couldn't fill me
there's nothing better than you. There's
Father, we bless you this day. Lord, thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that's in this place. Lord, all the movement in these aisles, Lord God, touching every heart, every, every life, every need. Lord, let the joy of the Lord come and be the strength of the people, I pray. What we pray as we go to the ministry of the word, Lord, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would make it clear to us. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would change our lives. In Jesus' precious name, everyone said amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Go ahead and have a seat this morning in the presence of your living God. Amen. Amen. Come on, you with me today? I hope you are. I got excited. I got excited all week about this message. I think uh, Wednesday night they heard part of it. I think they heard part of it on Thursday. So here's the rest of it today. I just, uh, you know, went before even I became a pastor. My favorite thing in the whole world was to learn something and then share it with somebody. And this week I learned something. Uh, to be honest with you, I should have learned a long time ago and probably did and forgot. Many of us have walked with the Lord for many, many years and. There are certain basics that we sometimes forget. And that's well, this is one of those today when we talk about righteousness. Do you know the truth about righteousness? It's really not something preached that often anymore because it can, it can feel like, like um, oh, am I still on there? Oh, yeah, we are. There we go. Because it can feel like, like, uh, I don't want to make anybody feel stupid, but I, I, I feel the same way. If somebody said, well, can you explain righteousness to me? And this is one of those things that, wait a minute, God has imputed his righteousness through his son upon us. Well, well, wait a minute, it says that we're clothed in righteous. But wait a minute, the Bible says there's not one righteous, not one, but except all have sinned and fallen short. Of the, wait, wait, wait. Now I'm getting confused. So one thing holding more Christians back holding more Christians in bondage than anything else is this lack 
of understanding righteousness. I believe that because I know in my life, throughout my seasons of my life, it's held me back. So it's got to have held someone else back. Satan is going to try to convince you that you don't have any right to the things of God. He is going to work on you and work on you and work on you. And the reason I'm so passionate about it, I'm just in the first paragraph of this message, is because that's what happens to so many of us. We don't think we're good enough, or we've done the right things, or we're disciplined enough, and we come up with all these excuses why we don't receive what God has for us because we feel we don't deserve it. We'll go ahead and accept Christ as our Savior, that he died on a cross, and we want to get into heaven, so we accept that because it talks so much about being a sinner, and that I can relate to. But when it gets to righteousness, ooh, that's for like pastors and deacons and elders and really holy spiritual people. Satan is going to try to bring you into bondage, even into your own sin. And he wants that sin to control your life. But he won't be able to do it if you reawaken yourself every day to who you really are in Jesus Christ. I've said it here for over 11 years. I'm going to say it again. One of the hardest things about being a Christian is to be who you already are in Christ. I believe that. And righteousness is this big concept that can seem complicated. And there's a host of different doctrines flying around, and that doesn't help either. But it is critical that we as Christ followers take the time to discover the truth about righteousness so we can live a life that's filled with faith and free from those hindrances. And let me remind you, there's no condemnation for those who live in Christ. Amen? Come on, are you with me this morning? I'm going to need some talking. All right. All right. So what is righteousness? Traditional thinking confuses righteousness with holiness. Many people never even stop to ask the question, what is righteousness? We just assume that we already know the answers. Yeah, well, it's about how we act. It's, it's the way we behave, and that's just not true. Holiness is your conduct. Righteousness is what you are. Let me say it again. Holiness is your conduct, and righteousness is what you are. In other words, righteousness is not a goody-goody way of acting. It's not something that we can obtain or earn or work for. The word translated righteousness literally means this simple, in right standing. We've been put in right standing with God through the work of Jesus at, the Calvar at Calvary. Can I just tell you something? This book, this Bible, the Mount Zion Church home version, this Bible, it is just one story of God wanting to restore his relationship with his creation, with his children. It is all about being in right standing with our Father. When a person accepts Jesus, you're moved into a different position through new birth. 
and you enter the kingdom of God as God's own child. The Bible even says we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ, which is crazy. I mean, I'm not trying to put us on equal standing with Jesus, but it's crazy to be mentioned in the same breath that we are joint heirs with Jesus. And it's critical that all Christians, and I hope we have a lot here today and watching online, I think it's critical that we begin to see ourselves as righteous because there's power in knowing the truth about righteousness. Satan does not want you to hear messages about righteousness. Satan will try to distract you this morning. I want you to focus a little extra hard. In fact, Father, I just ask you right now that this is when Satan wants to distract, when Satan wants our minds to wonder or feel like we can't comprehend. But in the name of Jesus, I proclaim that we are receivers of your word today and that you give us spiritual understanding beyond our own ways and that, God, this message sinks in and defeats the enemy in the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. amen. Faith is a force. Love is a force. Hope is a force. But I don't know if many know that righteousness is a force. If you begin to look at righteousness as a force, it will help you in your thinking and in receiving and in operating in righteousness. If you break down the truth about righteousness into these bite-sized pieces, you know, we always say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So we're going to put some bite-sized pieces out here. And I want you to think of rather than what you've heard in church your whole life, I want to pray that this is something that changes inside of you today. Something powerful can rise up. Something powerful when you start declaring and rebuking and reclaiming and unshackling, enforcing, receiving and rejoicing in the power and righteousness of the Lord God Almighty that you've already received. Amen? That would be a great way to wake up in the morning. Just start saying, I declare, I rebuke, reclaim, unshackle, enforce, and, and receive the power of Jesus Christ. If you're ready to undo some wrong thinking, and that is so hard to do, let's just start with a clean slate today and pull back the religious curtain for a moment and see your God-given identity for what it really is. It's time to learn the truth about righteousness. And it's so important. And why is it time to learn it? Why is it so important? Look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. This will tell you it's pretty important right here. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. Right there. If you are not acquainted with the teachings of righteousness, then you are still an infant and you're not acquainted, you're, you're not growing. You're still on milk. But more importantly, we always say this when we look at our Bible, is we look at context, context, context. So I want to read the context of this verse in the Living Bible. It words it really nicely for us. Verse, it starts in verse 12, and it'll end uh, in 13. But it's in the, living, in the Living Bible. It says, you've been Christians a long time now, and you ought to be teaching others. But instead, you have dropped back to the place where you need someone to teach you all over again the very first 
principles in God's word. You're like babies who can drink only milk, not old enough for solid food. And when a person is still living on milk, it shows he isn't very far along in the Christian life and doesn't know much about the difference between right and wrong. He is still a baby Christian. That is so powerful to know. First of all, you ought to be teaching someone. I hope you are. All of us should be teaching someone. And not only that, it says when you, when you don't know the teachings of righteousness, you don't know right from wrong. And don't tell me we're not living in a time where it is critical for us to be able to discern right and wrong. And if you have babies or grandbabies, you need to know right from wrong because this world is going to pollute their minds. Amen? So why do we need this righteousness? Because righteousness is that powerful force. When we stand in the righteousness of God, we have the right to stand without fear, knowing that demons have to flee and that it's, Jesus has defeated them in hell by the death on the cross and the resurrection. I always think of that when I ever think about standing before God without any fear. I always picture going down in an airplane. I can't remember what pastor I remember talking about this. And they felt the plane might crash. And everybody was screaming and afraid. And he's like, let's go, baby. I'm ready to see you, Lord. <coughs> if you know you're going to heaven, if you don't have that fear, then you're going to be excited about seeing God. So that fear, when you have fear of standing before the Lord, is because you don't know the teachings on righteousness. The force of righteousness completely overcomes the power of sin and death. I think that's something we need. It's like a bonfire overcomes a drop of water. We have more power in our lives as the righteousness of God and Jesus Christ than Satan can ever have over us and over any sin that comes along. When we put on our own righteousness we were born with, the Bible says this, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. And remember, we've studied this. We've dived deep into the original. We learned that all means... Thank you, all you theologians. So it's like this. God's into garments, by the way. You ever notice there's always garments of praise and, and the robe of righteousness? There's all kinds of stuff. And uh, one of my, my favorite jackets is, is this sweat jacket. I like sweat. In fact, I own a couple of these because I just like them. The problem, if this is representative of wearing our own righteousness, well... This even has a little hole in it, right there. No hole. But our, the Bible tells us our own righteousness is like filthy rags. So it's like, well, I didn't sin that bad. I might have did a little bit bad. I might have sinned a little bit. And what it does is it like takes a piece. When you sin, it's like taking a piece of yourself and killing it. And we end up with a robe or a garment full of holes. And it's very... God says we have to show ourselves perfect before the Lord. When we die, we have to go to heaven, if we go to heaven, hopefully. We face God, face the judgment, and he's going to look at what we're wearing. 
He just say, are you clothed in your righteousness or my son's? And you might go, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I don't sin that bad. I mean, I don't sin as much as Nalani. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't I, you know, but we've talked about this before. It's not graded on a curve. So you don't get to compare yourself to that, that person next door. I remember Billy Graham said it this way. Um, when he was being interviewed by Larry King, I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. And he was asked, uh, Billy Graham was asked by Larry King, what do you hope to hear when you die? And he said, well, I hope to hear good and well done, good and faithful servant. And all I kept on thinking is, Billy Graham's hoping? If Billy Graham's hoping, I'm in trouble. That's all I kept on thinking. Well, I hope to hear that. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so when we are born, we are born into sin. And we wear our own righteousness. In fact, you know what, you know what that's called? There we go. Looking good. There you go. Oh, I got missed a spot. Um, it's called self-righteousness. We think we're okay. Okay, it's not that bad. It's not, oh. it's not that bad. It's got a few holes. Maybe my life's a little messed up, but it's not as bad as someone else's, I know. You know what? The zipper doesn't even work. There we go. It's not that bad. But now we've got to present ourselves to Christ in our own righteousness. And that ain't going to make it. So what do we do? We, we think, if we think on our own terms and our own abilities, and we're going to come to God, and we, or we, we, we need God to fix something in our life, or we're hurting, or something's messed up in our life, we're struggling, and we go to God, and so we go, well, then I better get my pieces together. I, I got to get my life together. I got to figure out a way to make this all work because I'm going to go in front of God and I got I to patch it together. And we think that's going to be good enough. But it's never going to be right. It's never going to be like how it first was. Bible says this is filthy rags. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness is like filthy rags. We try to repair our lives, but it has to be perfect, and this will never be perfect again. When you entered this world, there was sin in you, and it was never going to be perfect again on your own. Now, why do we need to be perfect? Matthew chapter 5 says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds your right standing, exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And a couple of verses down it says, therefore you shall be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. Heaven is a perfect place. And why do we have to be perfect to get into heaven? Because if you're not perfect, you're going to mess it up for everybody. It would no longer be heaven. You can't be in the presence of a perfect God unless you're perfect. And until you realize you have sin in your life and that your filthy rags will never make it, you're going to be in trouble. So what do I do? What do I do? This is all I got. I'm trying to give God everything I have. What do I do? I mean, how about this? Well, God made me this way. This is just who I am. I've heard that from so many people over the years. You try to talk into their lives. You try and you go, well, it's just the way I am. It's the way I've been walking with Jesus for over 50 years, and you're going to try and tell me I've got to change? Are you crazy? 
But that's what we do. So what do we do? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 31, 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, hallelujah, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Well, I want that. Sign me up. Put me on the list. How do I get it? Well, number one, it's not earned. You don't get to earn God's righteousness. I know if I just do enough work, if I say enough prayers, if I read the Bible enough, if I don't swear as much as I used to, then I'm going to get God's righteousness. No, it's given through exchange. It's an exchange program. The unique thing about God's righteousness and, seeing, and God seeing you as approved, listen, there's nothing you're ever going to do to gain God's approval. But here's the cool thing. Think about it with your children or your grandchildren. Is there anything they do, really, that gains your approval, or do you just love them? Think of them as infants. Remember when we talked in Hebrews, when we started out, when we don't know about righteousness, we're, we're infants. So do you look at an infant and go, well, what are you going to do for me today to prove that I can accept you and love you? That'd be stupid. And that's how God sees us. Remember he said, come to me as a little child. We can never earn it. And it's not only unique to know that. Frankly, it's a relief. It's a relief because it takes the burden off. Imagine the weight of trying to go through life wondering if you've ever done enough. Enough to earn God's approval. If you've been doing that, that's more pressure than you were ever created to carry. Please leave it at the cross. Don't live your life thinking you have to do something in that way to gain and earn God's approval. Our righteousness is a gift. A gift. A gift that was given the moment we had faith and believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The minute, the minute we receive Christ, a new life, suddenly he gives us a new life, and we get his righteousness. And the beauty of his righteousness, it's tailor-made. Doesn't matter what shape you are, it doesn't matter how fat you are, how skinny you are, how short you are, how tall you are. God has tailor-made it for you. Fitted perfectly your righteousness, his righteousness onto you. you see what I just said? I exchanged my old self-righteousness for God's. It's not earned. It's given through exchange. The atoning death of Jesus Christ declares it. How cool is that? Declares it. That we are righteous before God. When Jesus died on the cross, he has said it is finished. It says he stood up and said, those who believe, I declare as righteous, Father. God has robed us with perfect righteousness of Jesus. He is the basis of acceptance before our God. 
There's no denying the fact that no man is righteous before God. No man can produce the righteousness God requires. It has to be given. So here's how the exchange works. Christ takes our sin. In fact, he became our sin. In exchange for our sin, we receive his righteousness. That's a deal right there. Jimmy, if he was in this room, would be saying amen. He loves a good deal. And then, to think of this, to be declared righteous. How cool is that? Imagine standing before our Father one day, and Jesus is right there declaring our righteousness. That'd be so embarrassing, because we know ourselves, right? We know ourselves. And Jesus would be going, I declare, Pastor Eric, well, he wouldn't call me pastor. He would just say, he would say I declare Eric righteous. And I'd be like, oh, no, no, you know, me, no. But that's what he wants us to do. Declare it. Walk in it. Live in it. Be secure in it. Have that power in it. To be declared righteous in God's sight, there was only, what did I have to do? Did anybody remember? Huh? I had to exchange it. I had to cast the old self away. And then I had to put on and receive the gift of his righteousness. I, I had to do that. I know sometimes it's hard to grasp because you know why? That sounds way too good to be true. But in the kingdom of God, when it sounds too good to be true, it probably is because our God is more truer than we could ever imagine. And he's better than we can ever imagine. And he gives good gifts more than we can ever imagine. The Bible says even in Job, in his misery, it says in Job 29, says, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. It's a choice to put on his righteousness. The choice to put on something new. It's available to all of us and it's freely given by our creator. That's what the cross was all about. The choice to admit, and this is what we got to do, the choice to admit, yeah, this is my life. I've messed up. I've sinned. I've cut things. I've submitted to things I never should have. I, I need to get rid of this old life. I need a new one. You have to admit it. And then you've then you got to receive, put off that and receive his, his righteousness. Be willing to receive it. You, you didn't earn it. You didn't do enough church going, Bible reading. You didn't do it. You messed up. You're tattered. You're stitched up into sin and nothing can make that new. Bad, think of bad ways of thinking. Messed up choices, addictions, depression, struggles with your circumstances. But here's what Jesus did on the cross. You can take that thing off. You can take that old messed up life off. The old way of doing things. And Jesus says, I give you a brand new life. A brand new way. A brand new righteousness. Jesus says, you can put on my righteousness. This is made just for you. Whenever I put on his righteousness, it reminds me that 
I'd ever earned this perfect garment. Perfect. I, I, I never earned it. I didn't do it. When I try to do it myself, it reminds me of that garment. When I do things with God, I'm renewed, strengthened, powerful against the enemy. That one is tattered, worn out, ripped up, full of holes. Listen to 1 Peter. It's just powerful. He person, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. I don't think we have it. No. He personally carried, personally. Everybody say personally. Personally. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. And then it says, and we know this verse, by his wounds we are healed. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died for us. Why? So I have to put this on. So when God looks at me, I'm covered in Jesus' righteousness. So when I stand before God, I go, yeah, this is Jesus. And God sees me like that. He doesn't see this because I put it away. I got rid of it. He sees that I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. And the beauty of all this is God doesn't care what shape I'm in. It still fits. <laughs> he doesn't care. He, I didn't have to get my life together to put this on. He doesn't care what I've done or how terrible I've thought. He says this, I've measured you. He's like the great tailor. I've measured you in every way. I've sized you and your life up. I have created and given you a perfect garment. I know every dark secret in your life. I have tailored this garment of righteousness just for you. And if you will receive it, and if you will just put it on. Oh, pastor, how can I put this on? How can I put on a coat? How do I do that? How does this work? 1 John 1, 9 says it this way. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A simple gift, but we have a choice. It's a choice we have to receive. A choice to take off the old. A choice to put on the new. A choice to clothe ourselves in Christ. A choice to depend on this and not depend on that. It's almost like, you know when you go to the red carpet, you went, not when you, I don't know when any have been to the Oscars, the Grammys, but you ever watch the red carpet, what do they always ask? Who are you wearing? And you want to go, I'm wearing Jesus. The great designer, the great tailor, the great creator. Who are you depending on? Who are you counting on? Philippians chapter 3, 9. This is what it has to do with our righteousness. This is why it's so important. It says, I no longer count on my own righteousness. And how do I do that? Well, through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Do you believe that God has given you this perfect garment of his righteousness? 
Because when you don't count on this, if you don't count on Christ, then you are just self-righteous. And the problem with that is now you're going to have to compare yourself to other people. Now you're going to have to, even maybe you're too hard on yourself or too soft on yourself. How are you gauging all this stuff? How do you really know what is right? How do you really know what is wrong? It can't be by vote. Listen, it doesn't matter whatever they do over there in Washington, D.C. What matters is what is truly right and wrong. What if they're telling you what is right? What if? They're already doing that, right? They're trying to tell us what's right and what's wrong. And what does the Bible tell us in the last days that right will be wrong and wrong will be right? So, pastor, how am I supposed to know right from wrong? We just talked about it in Hebrews. Hallelujah. It's God's righteousness you put on. And when you learn of his righteousness and you walk in his righteousness, you will know right from wrong. Are you counting on your self-righteousness? Are you counting on Jesus Christ? Are you clothed in your own ripped-up, compromised, torn-up garment that you're just living by a thread? Or are you clothed in Christ? Maybe you've been a follower of Christ for just a short time, and some of you in this room have been following Christ most of your entire life. And there's some that have been probably following Christ over 50 years. And I think that's awesome. But my question for you is not only who are you wearing, but how are you wearing Christ? How are you wearing his garment? Because some of us have been wearing Christ for a long time. And the question has to be, how are you wearing his righteousness? Because what we do sometimes intentionally, most of the time unintentionally, we take off this perfect gift and we choose to slip back and we go back to the old and we just go, you know what? I don't know if that Bible thing is really that, that great. I don't know. I'm, I'm more comfortable, <laughs> more comfortable in this. I like put my casual garments on. I'm going to trust in myself here a little bit because that Bible thing didn't really sound right to me. And I'm just going to kind of, and all of a sudden it's all about us again. It's all about me. What I think. This is what I think. <laughs> I don't think, I, I heard a pastor talk about his wife one time and he was up there preaching and he said, let me give you my opinion. And his wife pulled him aside after the church and said, nobody wants to hear your opinion. And that's what we do, right? So, well, this is what I believe. I believe in eight out of the ten commands, commandments easily. I believe I give pretty often, and to me, it's a lot of money to the church. I mean, I do that. I'm pretty generous. But is it what God told you to do? Well, we're not talking about that. We're talking about what I want to do. What's comfortable for me, remember? I'm comfortable in my self-righteousness. How about this one? Some of us have winter clothes and summer clothes. We have all these different seasons that we live in. 
And so what we do is, oh, this, this, I'm going to wear this. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. I've got to put my Sunday on. I'm going to put my Sunday righteousness on. That's right. This is important. It's Sunday. And so we're in a season of our life where we're going to church all the time, and we're walking in God's righteousness, and things are going really well, and everything's great. And then all of a sudden, you get a call, and, hey, you want to go to Vegas? And you're like, yeah. Hold on a second. got to get my other clothes on because I'm going to Vegas. i got to change out of that. And we get into the seasons of our lives. Well, this season, I need to wear this. And then, so because it's the season, we go into this like this with life. And then we put that away for our winter clothes, so to speak. And when things get tough, when things get hard, when things are struggling, and we put those in the bin. And then we go, you know, you, some of you have been walking with Jesus a long time. And you go, I don't even know where that coat is. I don't even know where it is anymore. I put that away a long time ago. I'll wear it from time to time, but, you know, maybe Christmas and Easter or when, you know, when I really need God. But no matter what season you're in, it's always, always, no matter what season you're in, this is always the better garment. Whatever you're walking through, you've got to wear Jesus. No matter what season you're in, no matter how you feel about it. Oh, God, don't even let me start it on that. You start got to trust God. And, some, and you got to forget that garment and keep this one on. We have to, in fact, you know what's really, the Bible says to reckon the old self dead. It'd be better to burn this and bury it and get rid of it and never bring it up again. Just get rid of it. Get rid of that old self-righteousness, that old thing. It may be more comfortable, but it ain't going to make you right before God. Listen to this in Galatians chapter 3. It says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the God of Moses? No. Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you trying to be perfect on your own human effort? He's basically saying, What are you doing putting that back on again? And some of you seem to go through that. Rock and roll, up and down. I love God. I don't know God. I feel God. I don't feel God. God loves me. I don't know. God hates me. And we go back, and we keep going back, and we keep going back, and we put that on, take it off, put it on, put it off. But when you keep on going back the old, putting on the new back again, you know what you're doing? You're living a fake faith. And I'm trying to be your pastor. I'm trying to be a good pastor here. That is a fake faith when you keep putting that old self back on again. I love you, but it's fake. We have to have a genuine faith, Mount Zion Church. We need to be able to know the difference. We have to know the difference between a fake faith and a genuine faith because the Bible tells us to watch out for those who deceive us. And there's a ton of people out there trying to deceive you. There are laws out there trying to deceive you. There are politicians out there to deceive you. Deceive you. Oh, wow, big revelation there. No, I'm telling you, there are pastors and churches and friends, people who will translate this wrong. You have to be able to know the difference between a counterfeit and a genuine. Yeah, let me show you some examples of that. Check this out. Debbie and I were in Mexico. These are fake Gucci purchase, uh, purses. I am no purse expert, just to let you know. Although I have my wife and raised two daughters, 
I don't know enough about to know that those are fake, except they were eight bucks a piece. I know they're fake. <laughs> I know they're fake. Check this one out. Here's another. These are fake Air Jordans. The real one, I know some of you, I'm no basketball player, shoe person, but it's supposed to have Michael Jordan dunking right there. And, and sometimes we can look at these things and we don't take a close look and we think we got a real pair of real expensive Air Jordans. There's another one here. Yeah, that one, that one you simply know it's not a real one because you can kind of, not from the screen here, but it's, you can see his butt crack. And I'm telling you, that's not a real genuine logo. Can we please get rid of that and go to the next slide because I don't want to look at his butt crack anymore. It's counterfeit. We've got to know the difference between genuine Christianity and fake Christianity. And we can live in a fake version of Christianity if we're not careful. And a fake Christianity is when we run back. We go, oh, I've got to do this. I can do it. I can do it. And we, and we grab the old life again, the old self-righteousness again. And we, can, and we turn into phonies. Now, maybe you don't know where you stand in this. So let me, let me give you some markers. Let me give you some markers, because fake Christianity. So we've, we've reckoned the old man dead, but now we've got Christ, you know, right here. But here's how, here's how the, the, the markers to identify some fake Christianity in your life. Some Christians want to make Jesus, they think that Jesus needs to make you look good, Right? So we start messing with the styles that we have. And we just want it to look cool. And we, want to, we don't want him to, you know, we want Jesus to profit us and make us prosper. We want Gucci this, and we want, you know, we want Imani suits, and we want it to look sharp and fully tailored. And we want it all. And so, God, you need to bless me with prosperity so I can start buying jets and Rolexes and Air Jordans and Gucci bags. And we just, we walk away really from Christ and we're really putting that on although it, we think we're, it looks good or how about this we got oh this this is the United States big time we got a lot of casual Christians oh yeah I got the righteousness of God it's pretty cool I do I mean I go to church at least once a month I mean I Wednesday night thing or any Sunday morning early stuff I mean, I give in the offering when I go, when I have extra money. I mean, when I've paid all my bills. I mean, when, I mean, God wants me to take care of all my stuff, right? So I need to do that before I give to him. So we have this kind of, Jesus needs to perform for me. Jesus needs to take care of me. I'm just going to hang out with my buddy Jesus. Slap on me, Jesus. Whoop, whoop. Jesus is not your buddy. He is your God. We get too casual with God. We, don't get, we get too comfortable with it. We forget our position with God. And he's so powerful. And he wants us to live our lives, all of us, in his righteousness. How weak of a God, how weak of a God would we serve if we were only, he only required little slices of us? If Jesus said, look it, you can serve my father part-time, is that a just God? How about this one? I'm going to do this. We take our righteousness. We don't quite put it all the way on. We do this. I'll just keep it with me. You know, 
case I go through some kind of storm in my life. You know, when it gets difficult. You know, when we enter into the winter, I mean, I'm ready. I got Christ right with me. If things get bad, boop, boop, shh, I'm all ready. But I don't want to wear it all the time. That'd be embarrassing. People might be offended. Let me just tell you right now, if you're walking with Jesus, that's offensive to the world. And I hope you're offending the heck out of them. Well, it'd actually be biblical to say, offend the hell out of them. That would be biblical. So I'm not trying to be fancy schmancy. I'm just saying, this is what we do. I'm just going to, oh, it's getting rough. It's getting tough. Oh, no, things are getting bad. I need to put on the coat. I need to get ready. Okay, Jesus, now I'm going to walk with you because it got hard. I'm just going to be that casual. I'm not going to be that committed. I'm only going to wear them on Sundays. I'm going to leave him in the car when I get out <laughs> or leave him at home. You know how I know how to preach all this, by the way? Because I've done it and still do it once in a while myself. That's how I know that. Oh, wait a minute. I got one. I got one more. This is my favorite, actually. I can't believe I almost forgot. Straight jacket Jesus. It's all about constriction. It's all about rules and regulations and the law. And you can't do that and you can't do this. And Jesus just got me standing I gotta get rid of this. And we go back to our own self because we think that Christianity thinks too constrictive in my life. It won't be any fun. <coughs> I can't tell you. Don't reduce Jesus down to a bunch of rules. He's so much more than that. I want to do this just to help you see hopefully where your relationship is and where you see yourself and where you see that Jesus loves you and wants you and wants to cover you and protect you. And I still fight this, I do. But when I think about his grace, (laughs) when I look at that, I think about his love, his patience, his kindness. When I look at this and I go, I can't believe I wore this for so long. It's exhausting. It's such a burden. I just, I wish I could just burn it. And when I think of that, it keeps me grounded. It reminds me that Jesus has finished work on the cross that he gave me new life and he wants me to live abundantly and that he gave me freedom more freedom than I could ever imagine it reminds me that it's not about me or anything I can do or anything I can't do it's always 100% Jesus I'm covered by Jesus I'm clothed in his righteousness and that's the only thing that puts me in right standing before my father And there's nothing I can do because it's already already done. There's nothing I can do. He said on the cross, it is finished. And that's what it means. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law, Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Hallelujah. Walk in his righteousness. Reckon the old man dead. 
Watch your life move in ways you never imagined. Come on, let's all stand to our feet this morning. I love you. I hope you receive this in love. I hope that you don't poo-poo it just because you've been walking with Jesus a long time. I hope you read these scriptures yourself. And I hope you start reckoning the old man dead and walking in his righteousness. Always. Always. So, Father, we just come before you. I myself, and I'm sure I speak for a few here, God, but I wouldn't want to do that at a turn. But I know I, I speak for myself when I say, please forgive me every time I put that old coat back on. Please forgive me every time I go back to thinking I've got to do something. That, I, that I've got to earn it. That I've got to work for it. Oh, if I just give a little bit more money, if I just put a few more hours in this week, then God will be proud of me. But Father, you already love us. You already look at us through the eyes of Jesus and with our, our righteousness on, his righteousness on. So God, I just help, pray you help us. Forget about that old righteousness, our self-righteousness. Help us forget about that. Help us to put it away. Help us to be conscious, Father, when we put it back on and to quickly take it off again. Help us to remember that your righteousness is the only righteousness that counts, that it's powerful, and that it helps us in so many ways, but it, it reminds us that you have defeated our enemy. It reminds us that you paid the price for our sin. It reminds us that you love us so much that you sent your only son so that our relationship could be in right standing. Thank you, Father. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But you gave it to us anyway because you love us so much. Help us to walk in that. Walk in who we are in Jesus Christ. And let there be fruit of that in our lives. Walk in your service. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, God, for your righteousness. Now, Father, as we walk out, let us walk out clothed in your righteousness and reckoning the old man dead. We ask you to hear our prayers, hear our praise and our thanks in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen, amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Have a great day. And don't expect me to be in a suit every week now, okay? Because <laughs> I ain't doing it.